And there's Mike Simmons onto the forecourt, approaches the T-Rock, but picks out the Tiguan, looking at a seven-seater Tiguan all-space now. He spies the Tuareg, promising, but he's leaving it late. A quick exchange with the Volkswagen salesman, and yes, Mike Simmons is the proud owner of a brand-new Volkswagen Tuareg. The Volkswagen SUV event from the 1st to the 15th of July. Save £500 on top of existing offers when you test drive any SUV. Just make sure you get there before the final whistle. Offer available on the retail on the road price for Volkswagen SUVs when test driven and ordered between 1st and 15th July. Delivered by 15th August 2018. Except the new Tuareg which is to be delivered by 31st October 2018. Retail customers only. <laughs> Welcome to the AFA Podcast, the official podcast for AnimationForAdults.com. My name is Rachel, and I am going to be your host today. And joining me today is my very good friend and animation lover, Allie. Hi, everybody. It's great to be here on the second podcast talking about Incredibles 2. Yep, that's our film for the day. We um, Unfortunately, we're unable to have the full crew here uh, today, um, some due to schedule conflicts and others. Um, a lot of our UK commentators, unfortunately, Incredibles 2 has not come out there yet, but we it has come out in the United States, and both of us have seen it, and we are very eager to talk about it. Um, yeah, this, gosh, Incredibles. It's been a long time since the original movie. I'm trying to remember, when that when did that come out again? That was like... It was back in 2004, and sadly, I, I am such a nerd for saying this, I can tell you the date. I believe it was November 14th, 2004. Uh, wow. and that was oh my gosh, that's a long time ago. 14... 13 to 14 years ago. My goodness. It has been a long time ago. And I remember when I first sat down to watch the movie, they had like a little snippet of like some members of the cast, as well as um, uh, Brad Bird, the director, kind of saying, yeah, it's been a long time since we did this, but by God, we're happy to be back. I loved that part. They showed that and people got so excited in the theater. But what's really cool, and I pointed this out to my to my dad when we saw it for mm-hmm. it was for father's day a week oh, when that awesome. we got to see that and um what's really cool is if you really pay attention to it's a key detail in the first incredibles where syndrome says too late 15 years too late now, <laughs> when you add up the time from the original film's release plus the final year of production prior to release it's been 15 years since the movie was finished oh my god I want, I don't know if that was intentional, but that's kind of that, that's that's kind of hilarious in hindsight. Oh my One God. of many Easter eggs in Incredibles too. Yeah, we'll we'll get to those one once we get to the spoiler section, um, where obviously we're but for the time being we're just gonna kind of go over um, as we do with when we discuss movies. We're gonna go over our um, our general introduction, or at least our where we began our journey, at least into this particular uh, animated film's story and encounter you know, encountered these these characters and this very vibrant superhero world, as well as our um, general opinion first to start off with Incredibles 2. So, Ali, since you have a very strong connection with the Incredibles universe and their characters and, and the movies in general, why don't you start us off? 
All right. Well, let me see. Should I start with how I first heard about this wonderful film series? Sure. All right. I can easily tell you that. I had <laughs> gone to see, I believe it was Monsters Incorporated. Ah, uh, yes. It was, it was either that or Finding Nemo. I think it may have been Finding Nemo. Yeah, because Finding Nemo, um, that, that trailer was with Monsters Incorporated. So this was, uh, this was after um, when going to see Finding Nemo. That's right. I had seen Finding Nemo in theaters. And I remember sitting there. I saw the teaser trailer for the first Incredibles. And it's where Mr. Incredible is, has the Batcave phone. He lifts it to his ear. And it says... There's a funny voice on the end that says, Mr. Incredible, the world needs your protection or something like that. And something like that, yeah. He's in his den or wherever, the man cave or whatever. I call <laughs> and, it a man cave. That's what I call it every time I see it. But he puts on his suit and you think he's ready to go and he can't get the belt fastened <laughs> because he has a big beer gut. And, and I remember my dad, he was laughing hysterically. My mom, I'm not kidding, her initial reaction, she said, this is going to be so stupid. Oh, <laughs> I said, give it a chance, mom. It, to me, the Incredibles teaser was one of the, this is true to me, one of the worst teaser trailers because the movie that really? I saw after the, the Incredibles, the, the, the real movie, mm-hmm. one of the best animated films ever. I saw it a few, I think a week after its release in 2004. Mm-hmm. I had been obsessed with this movie since the teaser trailer came out. Mm-hmm. And I literally about, I would say for a year, because I'd say I was 13, all the way from 12 years to 13 years old, I followed this movie's progress. I was so excited because I loved the Iron Giant growing up. Yeah, yeah. And Mr. Brad Bird, I knew he's the director of that beautiful movie that I am very happy to have reviewed and, and I watch it all the time. I love it. And so when I saw the Incredibles, the first thing I thought, this is a real family. What I loved about it was the family dynamic and oh yes, seeing this movie on the big screen is amazing. I mean, it's, it's an epic film and yeah. So I first heard about it through a teaser trailer. I had followed it for over a year and then we finally saw it. I think I was, I think I saw it almost three or four times in theaters. Oh, that's was, awesome. Oh yeah. I, I loved seeing this movie on the big screen. I bought the DVD. I, um, I, I, it's probably close to being ruined now because I've watched it so many times. I just love this movie. And <laughs> I remember my dad was sitting next to me and I said, Hey dad. Mm-hmm. And he says, well, I certainly hope so. My mom fell in love with the movie. She wanted yeah. a sequel. And I'm not kidding. Every year, when it, whenever we would watch the film, we would look at each other and go, I don't think they're going to do a sequel, Dad. Then one day. <laughs> oh, little did we know. I'm not kidding. I was very close to throwing my hands up and screaming. Oh, my goodness. Excitement. So yeah, that was my introduction to the the first Incredibles movie, and now the the second one. I again, I followed that, and, and I'll be honest, mm-hmm. I wasn't there. I didn't feel very positive about the film when I saw the first official trailer. This is true. I mm-hmm. I wasn't really positive. I thought, okay, this is going to be a little too dialogue heavy. I don't know if there's going to be enough superhero stuff in it. Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> This yeah. movie is not better than the original, but 
it is just as good as maybe in certain ways, but it is the sequel we wanted. I I will wholeheartedly agree with that statement. That's that's more or less my general opinion on the film. Um, yeah, I've, I've in regards to this particular franchise, I've, I've I mean up to the point when I saw that te- that same teaser trailer that you saw um, when I went to see uh, Finding Nemo, I was kind of like I. I remember, like, I was with my family, and I remember, again, both my mom and my dad laughing hysterically at this trailer. So I knew for a fact that as soon as, you know, regardless of what my general opinion of it was, because in my opinion, it was a Pixar movie, so I was going to see it regardless of what, you know, no matter what anyone said, I was going to bully my parents into taking me to go see it because (laughs) I had to see it. Uh, but then when I saw them how much, how hard they were laughing, I'm like, oh, that's not going to be nearly a hard thing to do, so... Uh, it worked out that I was able to go see it. And I'll tell you something funny when I was watching, because I, I it's, it's hilarious because I, of how much I loved animated films growing up, but I really didn't know much about them. Like, I didn't know who was involved, who was the director, who was, you know, the people. At that point in my in my youth, I hadn't really, I was just, just enjoying the films. I hadn't really taken that extra step to yet to try and find out more of what was involved behind the production. Uh but I did notice when I was watching The Incredibles, because I'd already seen the, um, the excuse me, um, The Iron Giant. And of course, that's when I fell in love with it. So when I went and saw um, The Incredibles and I was looking at the character designs, like, I think something like subtly in the back of my brain kind of like triggered. I'm like, this feels familiar. It's in three dimensions, but it feels awfully familiar. And then it was later on that I found out, oh, guess what? The director who was involved in the Iron Giant directed this movie, and I basically just kind of slammed my hand to the table and went, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> that my was God! Oh, yeah, that was my reaction, too. I mean, I loved the Iron Giant. When I saw Brad Bird was responsible, immediately it clicked because I realized Dash and Hogarth have very similar designs. Yes, they do. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> All, all of these revel- like revelations like belatedly hit me, and then I kept going back and watching it again and again and again and again and yeah. again and again and again. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's one of those movies that you just, you have to watch it at least 10 times a year. <laughs> or at least as many times as you can fit in, one, in, in, in a year. <laughs> exactly. But it, yeah, it's just, there's, and the big thing that I think what really holds the film together other than the fact that I mean when it came out there wasn't really not like what we have now with the Marvel Cinematic Universe oh, kind yeah. of like over like blowing the superhero narratives you know to have like as many different types as you can pack into a certain amount of time like several de- almost a decade now or yes it was a decade of, as of Infinity War it's been a decade holy crap um <laughs> <laughs> because I remember when I sat down the theater to see that movie there was a big when they put in the Marvel Studios, there was like a silhouette of the number 10. I'm like, oh no, it's been 10 years. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, I mean, obviously that was the, the real, there was a real freshness to the fact that uh, the, not only were they tackling a superhero story with The Incredibles, but it was also a superhero story that was not so about the superhero stuff, but more about the family dynamic. And again, that was, yeah. as you said, that's the film's strongest attribute. Absolutely. And I think so lifelike. Yeah, that's something. Well, what you just said, that's something that this film shares with the Iron Giant. I mean, the Iron Giant has an alien robot. But what's very funny is when you're watching the Iron Giant, you don't feel 
like it's about an alien robot. You you feel this family dynamic, and you feel like these cartoon characters are there. Some of the the dialogue is so mature, and it doesn't talk down to kids, and mm-hmm. it's so effective that you feel like you're watching real people. And sometimes the, these characters in The Incredibles and The Iron Giant, and even the new in The Incredibles too, feel more realistic and more down to earth and relatable than some flesh and blood people you see in superhero movies. That's fair. Yeah, I agree with that. There's a lot of small moments of dialogue and we'll get that into the spoiler section in this movie in particular that I'm very fond of. Oh yes. Um, But yeah, I would say my general, general opinion is I love the Incredibles. I was really excited to hear that when they were making a sequel, I was, when it came up to all the different like Pixar properties in terms of getting sequels, Mm-hmm. This is the one I was the most excited for. I mean, I heard about the, you know, Finding Dory coming out and all the Cars sequels. I'm like, eh, like I could be without those. I didn't really need those. Yeah. Uh, necessarily, even though I did enjoy Finding Dory very much. Oh, yes. Um, but still, it was not something I, ne- I felt like I necessarily needed. I really felt like with the prospect of getting a, uh, you know, a sequel to Incredibles, like it was a, a universe or a world that was ripe with possibilities. It's also, it's like something I recently pointed out in the Incredibles of Trailer 2 review I did. Mm-hmm. Um, with, with the sequel-itis and that all the movies are, are appearing to suffer from, even, even good sequels, like Blade Runner produced a good sequel. Mm-hmm. But you see all these movies putting out sequels and in all honesty, most of them are either moderate or very bad. And mm-hmm. I think in the sea of sequelitis and remakes, having a sequel we have requested, we have been waiting for, is very refreshing because even though it's a sequel, it feels like a brand new take. It feels like a, fre- a fresh, a new page has been turned. And like you said, with The Incredibles, this is a world that could that is being built. It's, it's not like The Avengers. Mm-hmm. This is a world that's being constructed as they go. And honestly, I, I, could, I could see this as a comic book series, TV series, a whole film series, because oh, heck yes. you can open up the door now that, well, we'll get to that in the spoiler section. There are so many possibilities after the ending, the successful ending of this movie, where you can... You can you can do anything with it now. It's yeah. it's such an open world. It's an open world film. It's yeah. proven that it's an open world film. You could go anywhere in this film, and it would be fascinating to watch. Yeah, again, I would say definitely in regards to what we we're saying earlier that the the character writing and um, just as and designs are definitely Brad Bird's absolutely in all of his films. It's these films, even a sequel, even a freaking sequel, is no exception to that yeah. rule. And I'm and the fact that he was able to take something that was, I mean, obviously it was already, as we said, right with possibility, but I think Mm -hmm. one of the things I remember following about um, his uh, process in making this film is the fact that there was like so many possibilities that made it a little difficult to pick out which ones he wanted to actually do, which is (laughs) probably the reason why we waited almost 14 14 to 15 years for this movie is because like, okay, we got to narrow this down. And well, it's interesting, Rachel, especially when you watch the bonus features on, I have the original DVD, the first one that was ever released. I still have it. There are, when you have deleted scenes and those those deleted scenes are good. Like they're really effective deleted scenes to where you could see that in a TV series. You know, you have a great writer because uh, especially the alternate opening. Have you seen the alternate opening on the DVD? Oh, not in a long time. It's, it, been, it's been a while. It is basically, the, and there aren't m- many spoilers. Everyone knows how the first movie ends, at least they should by now. <laughs> 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 I, I won't spoil it. 
but let's just say there's a point in the movie that mm-hmm. has the same exact dialogue from okay. this intro. And I personally think that if they had used the original intro, it wouldn't have ruined the tone of the film. It would have still been effective. And oh. that is, you know, you have a great writer when you could inter interchange deleted scenes with real scenes and get the same fantastic film. And it's especially with this one, you, again, the dialogue is phenomenal in this. It, and it's not, it doesn't talk down to kids, but it presents what I love about the film. Mm-hmm. And this is, this might be a little off topic, but what I loved about the first Incredibles and what I especially love about Incredibles 2, if more than the first one, is mm-hmm. the fact they go into some very mature places in a, ki- in a film that's supposed to be for kids to the point that I think this is just for all ages. This, this film is not just for kids. I mean, mm-hmm. they, go, they don't talk down to children. I mean, they let you know this happened to this person this is what this person is going through, kids. You have to deal with that. Yeah, like, like, uh, like basically, this, they're presenting, uh, they're presenting something that kids may or may not comprehend, or at least mm-hmm. uh, initially understand, depending on the age range that you're dealing with, or at least. Oh yeah. It, it, one thing I like about what films that do that can bring brings up, it can create opportunities for kids who maybe have not have been exposed to a certain, you know, something at, in particular to open up a dialogue with their parents. and Absolutely. And, uh, yes. Something at all, all uh, basically a film that's designed to be uh, enjoyed by all ages should do because it should encourage families to, especially a film like this, is to present ideas or, you know, things that to bring the family closer together, which is a beautiful metaphor for the, for the movie. Well, it's funny. It's, it's very interesting. You've said that director Don Bluth, the mm-hmm. man, the genius, the pretty much the god of animation who created Secret of Nim mm-hmm. and an American Tale. Mm-hmm. He, I, I'm not saying, I don't think this is exactly what he said, but I'm going to just summarize here. Okay, sure. He, he said, you can show a child anything mm. if you put it in the right context. For example, in The Lamp Before Time, Littlefoot's mother is killed on screen. Yep. But the way it's presented the way the music is working, the way it works. He spoke to, ch- to child psychologists before oh, he right. wrote the scene, and it turned out to be effective because then what ended up happening was he not only created a great film, but he intended to create a good film that would teach children what would happen, how could you survive if you were alone. And, and we don't see too many kids' films like that anymore. To no, me, we do not. not on the same scale before – this is outside without giving spoilers. Mm-hmm. There are three, two or three scenes in particular in Incredibles 2 that to me, if I was a kid watching this, would have scared the daylights out of me. There are two scenes in this movie I know four-year-olds were freaking out over. Um, okay, yeah, from your, from your movie experience. You were in a full theater, right? Oh, yeah, it involves the, yeah, this is involves, the, I, all I can say at this point in the podcast, it involves the teenager and her two little brothers. And let's just say that if a kid had to go through what they went through in these scenes, it would be very creepy and very traumatic. And they don't shy away from that either. They show that these kids in the movie are absolutely petrified. And I like how they didn't talk down to children. They said, kids, you see those children on screen? They're terrified. How are they going to get out of it? And, but they didn't do it in a 
disturbing way. They did it in a way that contributed to the story and kept children on their toes and adults on their toes. There mm-hmm. was something for everybody. And well, yeah, like, like what you were saying, the, the Iron Giant, Brad Bird just writes great kid characters. Oh my God, so good. Yeah, they're perfect. Perfect kids. I think one of maybe the one exception that I've seen it, it with is in a, in a Disney film, uh, Lilo from Lilo and yeah, Stitch. Yeah, Lilo and yeah. Oh my gosh, one of my favorite, my personal favorites. She's weird. She's goofy. She says weird things. But guess what? Kids do that. Yeah, those are kids. Those yeah, are exactly that's kids. why we love kids because they say weird things, like like when Hogarth suddenly puts on a soldier's uniform, has a BB gun, and and his weird prayer that he says at the table. Kids do that. Yep. That's funny. My That's dad. why the mom doesn't react other than, oh gosh, Hogarth's doing his thing again. And can you say that um, Annie and Helen look pretty much like the same character? They, they, they're very similar, yes. I, I noticed some inspiration from one <laughs> or the other, I think. But- and is it just me or is uh, the agent in The Incredibles, what's his name, uh, Rick, is he the old the father of kent mansley from the iron giant because <laughs> they look the same it's kind of creepy the, the, <laughs> the designs are there but yeah i agree with you that's what makes the film so great it's, it's the writing mm-hmm. um now if if i may point something out uh without giving away spoilers yet okay yeah we're almost we're almost there we're almost there something that i would love to point out and brad bird has confirmed this this was coincidental. He has talked about this in interviews. Okay. The Incredibles, and especially Incredibles 2, the tone and style has been compared to something that's definitely not for kids. That's Frank Miller's Watchmen. Ah, or Alan yes. Moore's Watchmen, excuse me. Alan Moore's Watchmen. And yeah. I didn't know what they were talking about. I watched a clip from the movie. I felt like I was watching, well, the adult version of The Incredibles because the movie is basically about superheroes. They're the saviors of mankind. They're on TV. They are loved. They're cherished. One superhero goes rogue, and suddenly they outlaw them. Yeah, all of it. Yeah, that's basically, I remember when, um, I didn't realize at the time after I first watched The Incredibles, but then I did see um, Watchmen. I still need to read the comic book because I hear the comics better. But um, yeah, there is... There, it, it, there's definitely a similarity there, at least one, or the, it seems to be taking some sort of inspiration from that. But still, I like how it, whereas the Watchmen has a very, you know, different uh, focus on its story. It does. I, I, I like, I have to sit between the two. I kind of like the more uh, hopeful story, at least with the, um, the fact that the, regardless of how the whole thing with superheroes ends up, the, mm-hmm. the Parr family is still closer than ever and will oh, yes. make it through any hardship, any oh, hardship ab- at all. Absolutely. And it's, it's really interesting. I, I didn't think about this until, un, until now, but some of the characters, this is, I'm sure, very coincidental, or maybe, maybe the artists were inspired. Some of the new superheroes that are introduced, which I, I can't wait to talk about them too. And, <laughs> yeah. because I wept. And I'll explain why I like those characters so much in spoiler section. But what I can tell you is I love the designs because I immediately noticed a couple of them resemble characters in the Watchmen franchise. You have, ah. you have the, what's, I don't know his, I think his name, they have a, they have a very strange name. It's that um, 
one who looks kind of like a, a male model. He has the electricity. Oh, right. Hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To me, the way he moves, the way he looks, kind of gestures, reminds me of a character in Watchmen called, it's like a mix between, um, I would say it looks a lot like um, Ozymandias, the character from Watchmen, who's nihilistic. Oh, okay. But his costume, the way he postured, I thought that he kind of reminds me of that character. And I thought it was um, very interesting. They had a, it involved electricity, especially when you have Dr. Manhattan in Watchmen, who has, mm-hmm, he's mm-hmm. established, he has those powers. Then you even have, where well, you have Jack-Jack, the baby, who who's pretty much has godlike capabilities. And yes. I mean, he's like a mix between Dr. Manhattan, uh, Nightcrawler, and Hellboy, which isn't much of a spoiler because Jack-Jack, somebody in another podcast I was listening to described Jack-Jack as pretty much being the embodiment of pure evil. <laughs> he was joking. And I thought it was a joke. And I watched the movie without giving spoilers. And I thought, you know, if this baby did turn evil, yeah, he would, would be, be bad. an be evil bad. unleashed upon mankind. But then you, well, getting back to Watchmen, a couple other, even the design on one of the masks reminds me of the comedian from Watchmen. Right, right, yeah. And well, the obvious one. The obvious character, of course, is that you have that little uh, winged, that character looks like an owl. Yes, yep. I, I, you're not the only one who, who, who picked up. I'm like, wait a minute. I thought, Night Owl, have you have you shrunk? <laughs> Watchmen. And then, then I thought was really cool was they have a very similar design to DC characters. You have um, the Quicksilver suit. You've got mm-hmm. Hawkman slash Banshee. The, the sonic mm-hmm. scream to me is a great power. I love that in comic books because it's pretty dangerous. You can it is. Blow, Lots you can of ears. And, you can, and that almost happened. Well, oh, I almost gave away a spoiler. I'm not going to say. <laughs> I yeah. think at this point, Allie, with, with how much we're skirting around it, I think it might be time to go Ooh. ahead and talk about spoilers. So it's okay. We've really, we've already said our piece in terms of uh, saying that, yes, we love this movie. We like it a lot. So. <laughs> okay. So. Have, should, yeah, we, seen it. should we issue an official warning then? About <laughs> this? <laughs> spoilers incoming. Ladies and gentlemen, spoilers are coming. If you have not seen The Incredibles 2, do not listen past this point. <laughs> yep, and that's pretty much what we're going to be talking about for the rest of the episode. So uh, okay. go see that movie. But yes, now uh, spoilers akimbo. Go. Oh, yes. Let's get to the best part of the movie. And also, this is the part to me that was the worst and the best part. Okay. Uh, we were just talking about them, the extra, the, the wannabe superheroes. Yeah. I, you should not introduce so many awesome looking characters and not give them much screen time. <laughs> I know, right? Each one was, they were all the funniest part of the movie. They were the funniest and most entertaining part of the movie when they were on screen. Mm-hmm. You have, you have one guy who, who, what was it? Vomits magma. Yeah. Reflux. Is yeah. Reflux. And I thought, I thought he was joking because I, okay, maybe this guy's just their mascot. No, no. When he vomits magma, it, it, it makes your chest hurt. I mean, you're watching this and you're thinking, that's oh my. That's a mighty God, awful heartburn. That's a lot. That's, well, talk about your acid reflux. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, there was him. There was the, um, like I so said, we, we were alluding to the owl. Oh, the yeah. The owl character as Void was part of my, one of my personal favorites. Oh, my gosh. She's adorable. She's the best part of the movie. She is one of the best parts. She is so adorably awkward. She kind of reminds me of a mix. Uh, 
she kind of reminds me of a mix between Evangeline Lilly and uh, Tilda Swinton mm -hmm. because she has that tomboyish, uh, she's, she's pretty, but she has a tomboyish look, but she has that awkward kind of valley girl way of that. She's very shy and I, I liked her personality and it's like when Elastigirl kind of shut her down at that one point in the story as she was about to talk to her, I thought, come back, what are you doing? We want to spend more time with this character, and unfortunately by the next time we see said character, we won't be able to actually see said character for a little while because character is suppressed. And something is really interesting is um, I loved this, the, my favorite joke in the movie comes from the character Brick. She's a super strong woman. Oh, right, yeah, I remember. Oh, best line in the movie my dad and i cracked up at this one it's when elastigirl says so where are you so what are your powers and she says i break things and sudden and then elastigirl says says it gets around in the conversation and she says where are you from and she says wisconsin oh right yeah wisconsin. <laughs> the whole theater erupted in laughter when she said that and the best part is they never go back to that that no. is perfect comedy that's all we need to know that's all and we need I, to know i love the mannerisms too like when the what the one character it's also interesting uh speaking of dc comics the character i hope i'm saying the name right crush crusher crush hour was that his name crusher i think yeah he is voiced by phil lamar samurai jack oh my god how did i not pick up on that it, i didn't either he also oh, voices no. oh it's high electrics that's the electricity guy mm -hmm. he phil voices him too which oh, phil, phil phil lamar god God bless you, Phil Lamar. He makes everything funny. He does it here when Mr. Incredible's trapped in those pipes and he says, Can you can't you uncrush it? He just says, Are you crush. Says, Are you listening to yourself right now, man? He says, Uncrush. Think about that. I was <laughs> laughing so hard. That I just was want so you to think about that. This guy should all I kept thinking is Phil Lamar should comment on comics more often. That is hilarious. And mm -hmm. I, the mannerisms of these characters, like you have a shy one, you've got an egotistical one who shoots sparks from his hands, you've got, you've got one who's just completely a, a dimwit, then suddenly becomes a scholar about crushing things, you've got that old guy who's the most dangerous in the group, you've got a woman who's a, like the Hulk and the thing put yep. together, yep. And, then you, it, and then you have that little owl man who is just absolutely steals the show it's like having an entire room full of characters and then you have this cute little puppy in the room and you kind of stare your <laughs> eyes automatically gravitate toward that character and mm -hmm. my grandma particularly yeah. likes owls so i showed her the picture of all the characters her eyes went immediately to the right oh that's that's cool that's actually fairly fascinating to see like that's that's the character that stands out the most, and understandably so, because it's a very distinct design. I, if you lo watch closely, there's a clip on YouTube when he's standing still and he's watching the characters. The head, if if you watch or have had a pet bird, or if you've seen really looked at birds, they will tilt their heads very quickly, kind of like a yes, velociraptor. Yeah. Uh -huh. He does that throughout <laughs> that scene. It's very subtle, but I was squinting. I'm like, is my film skipping? And then I realized, oh my gosh. That's very subtle animation. So this character had a lot of work, but again, good acting, good acting. Hardly any screen time, and I don't. E they didn't even list uh, half the the superheroes' voices. I have no idea who played um, Reflex, Brick, or Screech. That that's his name, Screech. I don't know who mm -hmm. played them, and that's a crime. That's a crime. You need to put the because when they did have lines, they were funny. 
I mean, yeah, maybe for all we, I know Steve Bloom was in there as one wait, of the voices. Wait, where was he? He was listed in one of the very small voices. I saw, um, what's her name? Kari Walgren was in there. She may oh, have, Kari Walgren. You know what? I think she may have been Brick because when I listened to that voice, I thought that voice sounds familiar. Oh, I'll bet they beautiful. deepened her voice. Beautiful. That's I, they, wonderful. I just love them characters so much and then they would disappear and i thought oh come yeah, on that's, that's that's the one fortune of being a so good at uh at the, as we mentioned before that being so good at character writing and character design oh, is yeah. the fact that well if we have to increase the cast of characters but we have to balance out the rest of the film because we still have to make it about a relatively again large cast of main characters which is the the par family so you have to balance that out and along with all of our other side characters and our antagonists etc unfortunately things are going to get lost in the background but again the, that doesn't mean the potential of anything even beyond this is squandered as you said like now that you put the idea in my head like i would love to see some kind of like cartoon spinoff of this thing it would be great oh, absolutely i i just loved the way they develop when even when your side characters are just as entertaining as your main characters again it shows what great writers you have mm-hmm. and I do want to mention now that we're talking spoilers um, in regards to this film. I know we made mention earlier about um, scenes that were a little unnerving that oh, take yes. place in this movie. So um, why don't you elaborate on that for me? Like, what are those scenes? You said one or two, one or two to three scenes in particular were quite unnerving. So what? Um, which could you elaborate on those for me? Yes, I will start with the very first one. It is when frozone is watching he's sent to watch over the kids the kids are home alone basically mm-hmm. you have violet dash and jack jack the baby and violet says i'm i'm return i am unresenting my resentment of superheroes and she throws the suit at dash and they get into their costumes they put the baby in costume mm-hmm. yeah, look how proactive she was in there i liked that she she took charge she wasn't just a wallflower and she but what was really cool is that's when the creepy stuff started happening. Yeah. I don't necessarily think supernatural movies are creepy as much as movies like Panic Room where it's real people out to get you. And there's a scene right after they put on their suits that really unnerved me because I thought, how would I have felt when I was a child seeing this? It's when um, there's a knock at the door. And it's not even like, okay, bad guys rain through the roof. There's no SWAT team action going on. They don't crash through anything. Mm-hmm. There is literally just a simple knock at the door. It's a simple knock. They think it's Frozone. Mm-hmm. It's a very simple knock, like what mom and dad do when they want in your room. Mm-hmm. They open that door and standing over them are all the wannabe superheroes who have goggles on are brainwashed. The brainwashed goggles, yeah. Staring, not away, not in a weird way. They are staring into the eyes of the kids when they open that door, and they are standing there, and Dash gets an expression on his face like, oh my gosh, we're dead. And that look <laughs> on his face creeped me out. And then he said, he, his voice is all shaky, A plus to Huck Milner, who plays Dash in this Mm -hmm. movie. His voice is real shaky. He says, what are you doing? What are you, who are you? Mm -hmm. And and then that's when Boyd, who also Thea Bush sounded creepy in this scene. I'm going to give kudos to all the actors. She says, she says something like, uh, what was it? we're here for Frozone or something like that. I can't remember. I think, I think basically she was going to try, like they were trying to play it off. Like they were here to take the kids somewhere safe. Yes. That 
What's and, it? But then Frozone shows up. It's like, uh, nuh-uh. No, that's what I'm here to do. And he so freezes I'm gonna do that right now. And, well, you know, he basically, I love how, th- I love this character moment because it's, it's just so quintessential Samuel Jackson. <laughs> he basically just, he just strolls up past these brainwashed superheroes who are just, you are not standing, they're not doing anything. He just kind of strolls by them, kind of basically saying, kind of like, oh, by the way, no, that's what I'm here to do. I'm here to keep the kids safe. And he's like slowly passing by them and sliding by the door, pushing Dash and Violet back. You can tell he's scared though. No, yeah, well, because he's outnumbered and he knows he's outnumbered. So I love the tension that that scene builds is the fact that we have these kids who all of a sudden have these very dangerous, potentially very dangerous strangers at the door. You feel scared. One character, one adult character is there to defend them, but you still have, get that sense that maybe he might not be enough. It's just like, in, it's, oh, yeah. it's so good tension. I love What's it. What's great also is before Frozone shows up, the kids say something, mm-hmm. and I think one of the other characters blocked the door. Yeah, yeah. And they, then... They force their way inside. Yes, but, but, but they didn't even force their way inside. It was really creepy for me. I think, I think I remember clearly that's when Violet says something. There's nothing but silence, and they're just staring at those kids. I was so uncomfortable throughout yeah. that movie. And then that's when Frozone shows up and does his thing. He freezes them. That's when the action scene takes place. Mm-hmm. This action scene, the whole moment you're watching this, you feel the physical stress and pain these characters are going through. And I don't mean just the good ones. Mm-hmm. There is a scene in particular that made my hands hurt. That's when really? Frozone is being pinned by Brick's hands. He freezes her hands and breaks her fingers apart oh right oh my god that went by so fast i barely knew i flinched i i grabbed my dad's arm because it happened so fast for Mm -hmm. one thing i my fingers hurt i thought oh my gosh brad bird what are you doing this is a kid's film and so (laughs) then the worst thing of anything any kid could imagine happens the adult gets brainwashed there's no one to help them and then just he to turns make, on them too. Oh, he doesn't just turn on them. He lunges roaring at the camera. <coughs> yeah. That's terrifying. <laughs> Especially, I saw some kids were, the kids in the theater were silent throughout that scene. Were they? Were oh, they? Yeah. It was eerie silence when those superheroes were staring. And now, the second scene, I think, there, there, that was, those were two moments. Mm-hmm. The third one which is to me a little creepier because to me, when you have a baby involved in the mixie, the baby wasn't in that scene much, Mm -hmm. but when you have a baby involved and there are bad guys after you, it really ups the stakes. I couldn't believe they did this when they were traveling through the halls of the ship with the baby. I kept thinking of games like doom um, (laughs) amnesia, the dark descent. I kept thinking of that because they're going through halls and the cameras following them. And you feel like one of these brainwashed people is going to jump out and grab them. There's a scene where something like that almost happens. It's when Mm -hmm. they go in the boiler room Mm -hmm. and there, that screech has his goggles on. He's the one going down the hall and Violet's trying to calm the baby down because the baby starts getting upset. Mm-hmm. The creepy, the baby starts crying, and then that's when my dad even thought this was a cool anim- piece of animation too. So when Screech just passes by, and that's when Jack Jack starts crying. His head turns completely 360 degrees yeah, around, like an owl and, does. and his body followed, and it looked like his neck was kind of like an exorcist thing going on. I thought, oh, oh. I looked at that. I'm, oh my gosh, is that an? kids film and then he does that thing like you see army guys do where they point 
like it's it's like you know how a signal you, and the hand signal he takes his hand signal he signals and yeah there's two big guys coming behind him like oh and then he's stalking towards you can see him stalking towards the door like the velociraptors in jurassic park and the kids have to hide mm-hmm. that was that was a very creepy scene i mean yeah, it was very I mean, well in of itself the fact that this movie is a you know one of the key things that it's about at least it um does or the, the powers of the antagonist who we'll uh, talk about in a minute is focused on that kind of it's, it's a, like a subtle manipulation or at least that um just like basically just be using well i guess this is another villain i guess the much like syndrome was except not as heavy-handed as syndrome was a little bit more subtle with the tech savvy using it to manipulate people and not like I got, I'm trying to like trying to compare the, um, this antagonist with Syndrome, and I'm not. I'm, I'm unfortunately failing a little bit because Syndrome was a little bit more flashy. He was the whole his whole crux in terms of getting of doing what he was doing was to basically usurp supers by making by using technology to yeah, basically make, make supers you know normal people or make normal people supers i just thought of this though rachel you were just mentioning how you can't compare to syndrome there are some villains i do i just thought of this you can compare well we're in spoilers like okay yeah using, we're talking about using people like the the pizza guy who turns out to be the screen slaver i mean at first you know it, it is it's not the best reveal. I would have liked personally to have had Evelyn wearing the mask. I thought mm-hmm. it would have been a little more effective, I guess. But something I just thought of, I guess a villain you could compare this person to. One of them, I don't know if you've heard about, but I'll mention the first one. Mm-hmm. Jessica Jones, you had David Tennant's character, who does mind control people. Who yep. is an egotistical rich person mm-hmm. who doesn't care, wants to get rid of all mutants, mm-hmm. which is weird because he's kind of a mutant himself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he, Always he, a hypocritical. Oh yeah, he is very hypocritical and that's what Evelyn's like. Okay, superheroes saved your family. They failed once, but it, they weren't fail. They didn't fail because they were outlawed. So her, she's flawed, but that same creepy, that mind control stuff, that freaks me out. I don't like that in comics, but it's good. I like, I hate it in the right way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, it's, it's, it's a good... It, it, well, considering the fact that the focus is the keeping the family together, I mean, it's always been that for the Incredibles. So mm-hmm. the fact that you can have them all of a sudden on a dime turn against each other. Oh, that reminds me. That's something, the, the one part that also disturbed me about the film, at least on a kid's level, I suppose, how they forcibly put the goggles on these people. Oh, yeah, that that that. I think more than anything, more than the actual you like mind see them struggling as they're put on, and that to me, I was thinking about the movie We're Back. It was mm-hmm. made back in the nineties. Did you? Did oh you ever- yeah, no, I remember that one. Yeah. It, well, okay, it's such a goofy film, but it's fun. I like it. I have a soft spot for it. But there's a scene. I admit the, to. I admit to that too. Where I the dinosaurs that. are brainwashed, and I and I watched The Incredibles, thinking these people, especially when you see how Elastigirl has them really forcefully put on i kept thinking okay all these people had that done to them and they can see what's happening but they can't stop themselves it's almost like x-men 2 the second x-men x-men united yeah yeah where the mutant chemical oh my gosh i just thought of how this what this reminds me of general striker in the second x-men movie with the chemical that brainwashes Mm -hmm. mutants Mm -hmm. it's exactly what it's like yeah it's 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 a very unsettling uh plot device or at least in terms of giving the power that we give our antagonist and yeah i will admit in terms of the antagonist i'm not sure i really liked evelyn as much as i enjoyed syndrome i maybe it was the over the topness that syndrome had and also that 
-hmm. counterpoint of his dynamic with Mr. Incredible. I really didn't feel, I mean, I kind of got a similar sense from, because the whole thing with this movie is that um, as opposed to Bob, who was the primary character of the first movie, the um, Helen is supposed to be the primary character of Incredibles 2. And for the, you know, for the most part, I 100% believe it. it is, I like having her getting a lot more screen time and being that kind of new face for the superhero community and being that kind of spokesperson to basically put the super, you know, supers back in the, um, the face of the public. Because unfortunately for Bob, he's a bit, of, he's a bit, a little too over the top, whereas Helen is, <laughs> Helen is a lot more subtle. He doesn't acknowledge. He doesn't destroy as much property as he does. Yes, he does. And <laughs> that, that, that is a point that's made in the film, and I'm really glad that they drew attention to that, because they, they could have forgotten about that. And in the hands of a lesser writer, they could have just forgotten about that that little tidbit of information to have him try to be the new face. But no, it's, it's Helen. And I really... I'll, and I will say this, in terms of my fav- some of my favorite scenes in the film, a lot of the action sequences featuring her in her superhero um ventures were top-notch absolutely like you can believe like you like you said you could have a tv series where like with maybe like a few like almost like x-men where you have a few focused episodes where you show off exactly how you have how bob would be a superhero versus how she is a superhero and what's great is you can even open this up because when you think about x-men i mean okay we have the x-men team but what's interesting is, even in the X-Men comics, they're not always the main characters. You will yep. have the side characters as the main group. Like, X-Men will have Banshee as the main character. Then they'll have Psylocke as the main character. And with the new superheroes you have, you could have each of them as a main character in a different episode. And it would be just as entertaining with having the Incredibles as side characters in that episode. Cartoons we watched growing up did that. Even Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles did that sometimes. Yes, it did. It where, did. Eight, where Casey Jones would be the main character. And it was still entertaining. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can do that if you have good writers. And Brad Bird and Disney, from what I'm seeing, have great writers. But what's really great is, again, this is a series, like, I'll tell you also, it reminded me in a way of Star Wars Rebels. Even though Star Wars Rebels was rated TVY7, it still got dark in places. It it, really did. And that's a good thing and a bad thing, I guess. But in this case, it was a good thing because it teaches kids lessons. This is how people survive, kids. But but what getting back to the superhero world. Oh, yeah. Superheroes are twisted when you think about it. Eh. Really interesting when we're talking about the villain. I look, I when I saw the screen slaver, I saw him and well, her, I suppose, but I thought it was a him. And I saw the message in the movie that says, Welcome back, Elastigirl. This might sound like some weird uh, contemplation or projection on my part, but I honestly would have loved it if the screen slaver had either been a villain she had faced in the past, had Mm. been a villain a friend had faced in the past, maybe a friend she had failed to save in action, Mm. someone who resented a a superhero who resented other superheroes for being chosen instead of them, Mm. or maybe even an old flame because in the Incredibles comics, Helen had a boyfriend who was a supervillain. Oh, I did. You know what? I actually did not know that. Oh, my goodness. And when I saw this, I thought the villain was going to turn out to be, and fans of the original movie will get this, Gazer Beam, the one who wrote the password. Oh, Gazer Beam. Because he knew how to access the computer, and he installed the phone that ended up killing the Devers' parents. Oh, but yeah, but then they'd... I 
loved the and and he start he was missing in the first movie yep. there, and here's another thing there's no record of him on the computer showing he was killed really i mean we have it very quickly but we do have a record i i, I apologize for that but here's the weird part <laughs> Here, here's the strange part to me mm -hmm. the skeleton is there right okay okay after 14 years I, 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 there would still be something on that skeleton it would not just be bare bones so where uh, so I, it, did he pull a Metro man from Mega Mind and turn into the Slurine Slaver? That's, that's all I kept thinking about. Like in Mega Mind, where Metro Man fakes his death. <laughs> right, and I, I thought, that. okay, you know, that would make sense. He uses his eyes as his superpower. He has these goggles that can hypnotize people. It would have been amazing to unmask him because fans would know who he is. Um, but again, I also thought it would have been great if it was a superhero who resented this brand image who, who who like rorschach rorschach from watchmen oh yeah gosh just went rogue creepy creepy character and mm -hmm. he i wish the screenslaver would have taken that route and, like imagine if rorschach was a kids film character <laughs> well here's something i you know, now that you really like you're divulging on that theory there's actually a really kind of i'm, I'm I apologize for going a little off tangent here, but um, we, we, we do that every now and again. Uh, <laughs> but something in that, in that vein, because I've actually seen something similar to that done recently. I don't know of, uh, if you're familiar with the, uh, the anime, the Japanese anime, My Hero Academia, but I have a fascination for that show, much like I do the Incredibles universe, because the fact that it takes the, um, some already established concepts about, you know, what we know about superhero lore and, um, worlds and, and how you build a world and I really loved how it's done it, it's continued to build this very unique as world where it um more than 80 85 percent of the world is populated with people with powers making superhero society like a huge thing but one of the things I like about this at least relating to this particular film and your and your idea regards to um screen slaver would have been if this could have been a past hero with a particular power focused on mind control, like they just made they, whatever reason they just had it, tried to be a superhero, but because of the nature of that power was considered creepy, unnatural, and was basically pushed to being a villain because there is actually a character in um, My Hero Academia that's introduced in the second season that, um, that, that is his superpower. He was just born with this. And so basically he had, but he wants to be a superhero. So he's basically attending this, uh, this hero, this hero school and the, with the hopes to getting onto the particular course that will take, make him a hero. But because of the nature of his power, the fact that it's not very uh, flashy or, you know, very powerful in the fact that, you know, he can't break, he can't destroy robots by telling them to go walk out of, by, by, telling, <laughs> by talking to them. Um, but so he's, he, you know, because of his powers, he's basically locked into a course that's oh, far, you know, a lot more harder for him to get to his dream just because of the fact that he was born the way he was. And it was, oh. it was, it's, it's a little small side character, but I really liked that, uh, that concept. And it would have been neat to see something like that here. But even still, I like the fact that they use this concept of this person who's have very intelligent, very calculating, and also very, well, I would say relatively unassuming. Because I was constantly trying to guess in terms of the, when we were introduced to the screen slaver of like, who exactly is this person? Because I had a feeling it was definitely someone within the circle of this new movement to create superheroes, but I didn't know who it was or for what purpose. But um, 
I knew it was one of the siblings. It was either the, you know, Evelyn or her brother. Yeah, my dad and I, I'm very sad to say, pretty much had an idea of who it was and that the screenslaver was a puppet that that's because we are such big nerds with superheroes that we uh-huh. could we but here's here's what's great about the film you don't really care you you love yep. what's going on so much it's almost like well again it's like the x-men movie like when you see the second x-men film you can guess from the beginning general striker is the bad guy he's the mm-hmm. one controlling the mutants but you don't care you just care about this amazing world of the X-Men, their story, the side characters, the, the animation, the, the action scenes. And that's what this is like. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole scene, again, where they're breaking onto the ship in Incredibles 2 reminds me of the scene where the X-Men are breaking into Stryker's base at uh, Alkali Lake in X-Men mm-hmm. 2. It's it's just like that. It, it's suspenseful. And you you know who the villain is, but... You want to see them free these other superheroes from mind control. Well, That's yeah, because you care about them. Because you, and even those like those few established moments that we discussed earlier with a lot of these side superheroes, you're like you, you like them enough to the point like okay, they don't want this. They've got a really bad deal here. They've been tricked by someone who's really not that had their best interests at heart, and we care about them enough yes. that we want to see them do their thing. And it, it and I even so when they are freed i love how they just like absolutely no question they immediately go into action when they're needed especially i love um the little sequence with uh void working with ellen to try and get her to stop evelyn oh yeah to consistently slingshot her up to this jet and void just very like very nervous that she's been put on the spot to like all of a sudden help but she's still not but not hesitating like when the time calls for it she's doing her thing and helping uh, Helen get to where she needs to go. Yeah, there's no goading, like, you can do this. I know you can do this. She jumps in. She is ready. But what's really great is she is scared. She is legitimately scared. She's using, not because she has doubt in herself, but she thinks Helen's going to die. Mm -hmm. And she keeps using her, the portals, the portal effects in this movie are that was really cool amazing especially if you hear about how they were made they had to use multiple cameras connected to multiple screens just to open up alternate views with void's portal she was the trickiest oh that's wild to animate and but when you're getting back to the emotion the animation on the faces something i really liked about the characters especially with a, a few of them is usually they were broken out of their hypnosis right in the middle of them doing something really bad. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, um, uh, what was it? That, that, that some of them would get looks of complete horror on their faces because mm-hmm. they saw what they were about to do as the goggles were smashed. And I will say, maybe it's the fact that my dad raised me on Looney Tunes and Tom and Jerry. I love it when they smash brick in the face to get those goggles <laughs> off. I was laughing. I was hysterical. Like, ah, Mr. Incredible hit a lady. Ah. <laughs> but, but it's funny because it's so comical and the look she has in her face. It's so funny. That yeah. was to me. Classic we, slapstick. We needed that though. It was so tense. You need a moment like that. Yeah. It, I was surprised it, how, t- how incredibly tense. It got so tense. I thought, I thought, please, somebody make a joke. I don't care. Pull on someone's ears. Pull their nose. I don't care. I need a one-liner. I need a superhero one-liner here. And then, God bless you, Phil Lamar stepped in to talk about how you can't uncrush things. Thank you, Phil. Thank (laughs) you, Phil. Thank you, Samurai Jack. You saved the day again from evil. Uh, And and I just, I, I just kept thinking it would have been so funny if one of the characters said they call me Jack. 
but, but I know it's goofy. But I thought it was cool that Phil Lamar's character, um, uh-huh. that, well, he has two characters, the telekinetic looks a lot like the second Green Lantern in DC Comics. Oh, my goodness. Uh, there's, yeah, I think that was one of the next points I wanted to cover. Like, there were uh, quite a bit of Easter eggs. I think you might have had a chance to pick up on them a lot more than I did, Allie, because I, unfortunately, I think I still kind of came off of this <laughs> when I finished the movie. Like, there was, I was literally just kind of like, my, my hair had been blown back, just kind of like, I'm still trying to absorb it all. Like, I'm sure that there is stuff that I've missed. But, you know, little things that really kind of drew me into the movie. Obviously, we've got the, the, the tension, the high-tension climax. The wonderful superhero action scenes with um, with Helen Parr were um, oh. incredible. As lack of a better word, incredible. Oh, um, absolutely. <laughs> and then, of course, Jack, Jack the Baby. And oh. despite how terrifying his, his powers are in context... <laughs> hilarious to watch especially when he's trying to pick a fight with a raccoon oh my gosh before we get to the easter eggs i've got to i I, we have to talk about that backyard scene that had yeah that had the whole theater in an uproar when i was there people were breathless from laughing because they could have taken so many approaches when jack jack kind of melds like shadow cat like kitty pride through the door through the door and you think oh he's going to just coo at the raccoon and the raccoon's going to look all big and scary that little little baby suddenly turns into a little snot swings his hand back and smacks that raccoon well yeah because i love the lead up to that scene is the fact that he's sitting on his you know he's sitting on bob's lap watching as bob's asleep and he's seeing a program about a thief holding up uh holding up people at like a um yes and he sees the raccoon and the baby looks out the window when he hears the raccoon messing around with the trash he sees that and just, uh, because he's the baby of superheroes, he's just like, no, nah, I got to stop this guy. I oh got to stop this guy. And he walks right really? out there and has a freaking bat, like life or death struggle with this raccoon. And I think I remember oh, yeah. you said off the air that you compared this to um, uh, Ice Age. I think it was the, the was, oh. it, was it the Scrat, um, the, 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 the like shorts where Scrat's running around? Because there's no dialogue in this. It's just baby oh, yeah. noises and angry raccoon noise that baby that baby goes nuts during this this scene <laughs> he snaps he picks up lawn furniture and starts throwing sets it on fire pins the raccoon in an umbrella shoots lasers at this poor thing when it's stuck in the fence this raccoon is near tears crawling away and this baby is laughing maniacally chasing and burning him then when mr when his dad comes up bob comes down to see what's going on jack jack clones himself and runs towards the raccoon duplicates turns into little mini and then and then frozone comes over to see what's going on the baby this is creepy enough learn learns he can jump in a dimension and 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 oh this is a great place to get into the easter eggs too okay all right we'll lead into that this is the perfect spot when we were talking about the other dimension um when jack jack teleports we see him we think he teleports like nightcrawler bob explains he goes into a different dimension yeah even edna mode explains that because she can somehow i don't know how she can track him still best character edna mode oh of course she is darling she's always the best (laughs) character good impression by the way (laughs) thank you I I I've done that too many times actually uh my my one of my friends and I used to uh, 
we're, we were such nerds. We used to repeat diet. We used to act scenes out. I don't know if we, we thought we were an improv group and I used to do Edna all the time. That's, that's funny. That's awesome. That's awesome. I used to go, I never look back, darling. It distracts from the now. <laughs> <laughs> but what's really interesting as first Easter egg is the other dimension that he goes mm-hmm. into. If you mm-hmm. look, okay, when they're in the Incredimobile, the, the Mr. Incredible car, yep. when Dash summons it for one moment, they go, okay, I have you, we have our suits, but what do we have? What weapons do we have? Jack Jack suddenly turns into that little demon, mm-hmm. and for a split second, you can actually, they transport through that dimension, all of them, and you can actually see it. If you look very carefully, it looks you can see a bunch of creepy monsters and energy running around them, and then it disappears. Oh my god! How could you know? Oh, it happened so fast. That. It, oh no, it happened so fast. And I looked at my dad. I looked over at him, and we he looked at me. And I said, "What the heck did we just see?" <laughs> because there, have you ever seen Highlander? No, I unfortunately not. I need to. I need to correct that. At though. the end of the movie, I will tell you there is a trip out like almost like a transformation kind of a power up it's like dragon ball z at the end of that movie <laughs> he powers up and he's screaming because he's absorbing all this energy and highlander and the the dimension he enters is it, it's almost like i mean the, with the dimension this baby opens up i don't want to see it i mean i i'm convinced this baby this baby is friends with spawn <laughs> no he must be friends with spawn because whatever dimension he opens up it was freaky there was stuff swirling around and there's there's things there around the car and the kids have really shocked looks on their faces and they turn around i'm that baby's laughing and i just wanted to like don't don't, don't laugh baby that was creepy but, but anyway, then they, that, that was where they said, oh, no, but we've got Jack-Jack. Intr- we've that, got that, a Jack-Jack. That baby, I don't know what. I, 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 that is, okay, I don't mean, this will never be in a kid's film. But that cannot be Bob's kid, okay? <laughs> that baby's pure evil. I don't know what it is, but but what's interesting hey, is. Hey, Edna likes him. Well, yeah. I, I mean, love that. The whole after she's, she she's trains him with candy. Yes. <laughs> But what's cool is when Jack-Jack enters the other dimension, that's a nod to Marvel because there is a character called the Shadow King in Marvel mm-hmm. who is in the Dark Force dimension that when Nightcrawler teleports, he does not teleport. He moves through. The reason he disappears with smoke mm-hmm. is because he disappears in a realm called the Dark Force dimension. Nightcrawler, right. Nightcrawler gains the ability to transform into a redheaded human and out of his demon form. Ah, and right, interesting right. is his father rules the Dark Force dimension. And if you see it in comics, it looks just like that split second in The Incredibles. Oh, my goodness. Major teeny little Easter egg. When you get it on DVD or see the clip, pause really quickly. It is freaky. You okay. Will see All right. And the other cool Easter egg that I could think of is when Winston Dever is talking to Helen. They're in the car on the way to the new house. And Helen says, how can you afford this? He goes, oh, I have many houses. And he goes, I rent this one from a friend of mine. He's, a, he's some tech guru, playboy, a billionaire. He travels all the time. He, he has no time for to visit this house. And I looked at that house and I said, oh my gosh, that's the house from Iron Man 3. It looks, it, it seems to share certain design qualities, yes. 
and Brad Bird has joked about crossovers. It's been it's just a little Easter egg with the Avengers since Disney owns it. People have been asking, will the Incredibles team up with the Avengers? Maybe uh-huh. not in the movie, but I'd like to see a comic book. That would, yeah, you can do that kind of stuff in comic books. So I would that would be that would be a lot of fun for sure. Oh, but I do want to draw attention to the fact that I mean I I don't really I have to go back and see the first movie again to really get this vibe because I. I really want to talk about how awesome the Incredible World's design is. I mean, yeah, it definitely is like, it feels like a classic comic book combined with like um, old fashioned James Bond in terms of its aesthetic. Oh yeah. Which is something I I think I kind of picked up on in the first movie, especially during the sequences where they're on the uh, Syndrome's Island, but so much more so in this movie, I think just because we get to see a lot more of the world, especially the, again, the design of that house that they all decide to live in. And, the, and also the choice of uh, uh, television that we see them watching is a lot of really old. Yes. Classic. I saw Johnny Quest in there. And I'm Johnny like, Quest. Oh, man. And they even had, um, I didn't catch it. They had a CGI version of Days of Our Lives, a very Days popular. Days of Our Lives, yes. Yes, that was really cool. <laughs> that was really cool. That's hilarious. I love it. <laughs> it's really cool easter eggs in there all sorts of different ideas all these different concepts like james bond i mean i had the feel of, of goldfinger mm-hmm. they even had some nods to spy movies like to catch a thief uh even get smart with the goofy with the neat gadgets and you have yeah of course you have e edna mode who's yep. like who's like q and m with her code name mm-hmm. and so what are some other well you have of course the car the incredible car. I mean, that's yeah, like a Bond car. Oh, it's a hot rod James Bond car with transformer colors. I mean, that, that's what it is. Yeah, that's exactly and I, what it is. Absolutely. But when you were talking about the scenery, the scenery has that classic DC feel. It's mm-hmm. dark. It's it's sometimes creepy, but then it can be gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Very oh. sharp, very clear. Very, like it's, it's, the colors are online. And I may talk about the colors too, or just, very vibrant. Like I felt like my eyes were being overloaded with just, especially like with all little evening shots. Like oh, her, yes, um, Helen, especially her first, um, her first gig where she's stopping that train. Oh my and gosh, yeah. that whole that whole sequence is just really super creative because yeah. I think I've there there have been plenty of superheroes in comics and you know television who have had being able to stretch be mm-hmm. one of their primary superpowers or been their their primary power. Mm-hmm. But I think outside of um, you know, one of my personal favorite stretchy characters, um, Luffy the pirate from a One Piece. I don't think I've yeah. ever seen a very creative use of that power when it comes to doing an action. Like, I really love the sequence where she's chasing after the train and she's going on her motorcycle. And there are several sequences where she has to stretch out and the bike has the ability to detach so she can stretch in any which way and there's one scene where she's in a tunnel and she's oh, yeah. have one side of the bike on one side of the tunnel with the, her legs and the other side of the bike are on the opposite end and she's still going and oh my lord like that entire sequence just like I kept being continuously impressed by the fact that there's just so much creativity in one sequence just of you just utilizing how this superpower works in What's terms re- of its stretching and being able to uh, elongate and do all these crazy things. What's really interesting about the scene with the motorcycle, I read this, uh, the lady who supervised, the, she was the director of this mm-hmm. particular scene, mm-hmm. is an animator at Pixar. Yep. Uh, she's also a professional BMX rider. Get out! She coordinated the whole 
everything everything oh, that's wonderful how the bike could stretch how what what the force of gravity how, how, what would it would look like if when it broke through glass how could they exaggerate it to where it looks like she just shattered the glass like like the cake glaze like the frozen cake how could she do it but it would look amazing like complete comic book and basically what they did is well normally the glass would implode it would go inwards mm-hmm. they had it go outwards for effect oh that's awesome Oh, that's so cool. And so she directed the whole scene with the motorcycle. She is a professional BMX biker. It was, I believe it was on an article on the science, the sci-fi channel. Huh. Sci-fi channel even covered this movie as being a landmark. And when an adult movie channel like sci-fi or, um, wants to cover your film, I, you've got a great film on your hands. They have a lot of nods to a classic action and horror movies in this i mean even the boat sequence you you have so, you have amazing james bond homages there but then you also have um how do i you there's a the final scene in the movie reminds me of the movie speed with keanu mm-hmm. reeves so you're trying to slow down the a bus boat yeah or a bus or the bus yeah and the you're, bus. You're, you're trying to stop it and you're trying with all your might to stop it but it's it's almost impossible and the scene in the plane reminded me of Oh, the mo- the die another day, James Bond, when mm-hmm. the, the plane's in free fall, and yeah, and, and Helen's basically dying because she can't breathe. That I was, mean, I will admit, that was a part that unnerved me. You mentioned those yes, other scenes, and that was, but the fact that she's literally dying of, uh, you know, of the villain, the villain leans down and literally says, "Oh, don't worry, sweetheart. At least you'll be happy when you die." What the? That was kind. That was a freaky line. Like, oh my lord! Did we just hear? Don't worry, sweetheart. You'll be happy when. At least you'll be happy when you die in a kids' film. Well, at I least thought, in regards to that tells that you. Oh yeah. Okay. And then gosh. it's even more f- fulfilling when she wins because of that. Yeah, she still wins despite of that. This of that, movie so. has so many great moments like that. Even when we're getting, I okay, I saw this for Father's Day. This was a Father's Day present for my dad, and I loved finally we see some interaction between Mr. Incredible and his daughter. That was my one complaint with the first movie. The mm-hmm. mom and the daughter have moments. The father and son have moments. We didn't see any moments with the father and daughter, and we finally get some good ones in a Disney film. Oh, yes. This, to me, was really close to the one in The Little Mermaid, that kind of relationship. And really? I love Oh, yeah, because she feels bad for what she's done. It's sped up in The Little Mermaid. But you mm-hmm. have that dynamic. You have that, wow, they, they really love each other. You can tell this is a the father-daughter aren't, aren't really awkward. It's not awkward. It's, they, she really loves her dad. She oh, does. She, she does. Even, and what I loved about it is she's a brat in the movie. The kids are brats. I mean, they're mm-hmm. real kids. She's really snotty to him, and she feels horrible for it. And what does she do? She she and Dash get everything ready. They clean the house. They're doing their homework. She gets him ready for school. It's uh, the weekend. She lets she her dad. Up. She well, steps she let, up. She lets her dad sleep for seventeen hours, and she asks him, "How are you feeling, Dad?" And I thought, finally, that yeah. is that's fantastic. I just loved that scene. I loved it so much. I actually hugged my dad in the theater. Oh, <laughs> I did. Really I know sweet. it's sappy, but I did. I did. No, it's not sappy at all. I think I, it's all. It's all adorable i loved that scene that to me was the icing on the cake and ironically everything after that scene just got better so yeah like, i don't yeah. as you can tell we are gushing about this movie there is it, this is definitely one of those movies where there's it's just so jam-packed full of stuff that yeah. 
you're, you're, you're going to have to see it multiple times. Like, I know I will definitely have to see it. I'm not sure if I'll be able to make it again in theaters, but I will try because it looks beautiful in theaters. I'm um, seeing it actually this coming week. My grandma wants to see it. She saw a trailer. We saw Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom today, and they showed ah. the incredible trailer with it because I guess they figure kids are going to see Jurassic Park. I don't know why, but they are. Yeah. And and then when I really thought about the tone of Incredibles too, I thought actually this wouldn't be too bad to show as a preview before Jurassic Park. <laughs> it's dark enough. I mean, you're just missing blood in it and it's it's pretty much a um kids film. But I I, I she wants to see it, so I will be seeing it again. Mm-hmm. And I kept thinking what would be really interesting, especially on AFA to cover is again, I was thinking about covering the background characters and the way they're put together and the, the Easter eggs might be fun to mention. There's just so much in this movie. It's like, it's like an Easter basket of Easter eggs. It really is an Easter basket. That's a good, that's a good way to compare it. It's compare like it a big content there is in here. Super sinister and funny Easter egg basket with a big red bow on it. Mm-hmm. And I will say sometimes it does feel like there's just like so much, it can be a little hard to see. I think mm-hmm. hopefully that'll, um, that'll get better with more viewings. And that's that obviously that that's a major point in the movie's favor that it just has so much. And I think there was at least one or two points in the movie. I think it was just before, like right when the tension was at its peak that I started feeling a little overwhelmed, mm-hmm. but, that, but that really kind of faded uh, very quickly because the climax built and built, but then it kind of finally resolved everything in a, in a good, oh, yeah. good, uh, good pace. It's not pace every play. day that a Disney movie or even a Pixar movie makes your heart pound during the climax. From the moment they got in that boat, when they brainwashed the ambassadors, mm-hmm. when they when they have the said supers, get your ambassadors out of here. They didn't mm-hmm. even pause. There's no what's going on. They said, get them out of here. And then she takes her brother. She tries to kill her brother. And then Elastigirl comes out of nowhere. He jumps off the plane. Plane goes up. Mr. Incredible is being crushed in pipes. Violet is getting her butt kicked by, oh, that, that's another thing. They, they slap the kids around in this movie. Well, they're superheroes, so they got... I, they gotta, fight, they gotta fight for their lives. Void, the clever battle. I love the battle between Violet and Void. Mm-hmm. How she takes Void's Void and traps her in a force field. Void uses the portal to get out of the force field. And then her hand comes out of nowhere and she decks Violet. And then Violet decks her. And then it's like, a, it, this is like the coolest female superhero fight I've ever seen. <laughs> and what's really interesting, I like this little nod. This is another Easter egg. This one. Okay. Like, might just be on my part here. I'm a huge fan of Portal, the video game. Yeah. And when I saw Void and I saw her tan skin, I saw her blue eyes, I thought, oh my gosh, is this Chell from Portal? Ah! And, and I thought, no, of course not. But I, so I made a joke when I posted some fan art. I had drawn some fan art of Void. I had a little joke in the posting that said, by the way, if she eats cake in this movie, I'm going to flip. She eats cake, <laughs> she, she eats cake in the movie. Oh, does she? I think. You can tell there's there's cake. There's basically all the stuff you'd normally see at a party. And that cake is gone. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, she ate the cake. <laughs> and, then, and then that's at that moment I thought, I would kill if this villain turns out to be GLaDOS. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Oh, oh, no, 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 of course not. But I loved how the portals did look like the portals in the video game. I, I will I will agree with you there. It, it, they really did, uh, at least in the way that they functioned. Uh, I love the part where 
the oh. shot where they lined up all the like you mentioned oh. earlier, the portals lined I, up once. I actually he's trying Violet running through them, and it's just like it, it looked like how it was in at least how they did it in Portal. So well, if you played the game, if you there's this one part that I actually did this by accident, where if you line up two portals perpendicular it's, to it's each other, infinity. you see infinity. And when I saw the trailer, the first this trailer for the Incredibles that featured that shot, I looked. I went, oh my gosh, it's it's like Portal. This is going to be, and immediately I was drawn in. And <laughs> they play with portals really, they play with portals a lot. Now you're thinking with portals. You're thinking with portals. And, you know. Brad Bird's you, thinking with portals. <laughs> it's like, it's like Blink. There's a character called Blink in X-Men who does the same thing, but I, it's the same thing with the Infinity Loop. And I love that nod to X-Men with Void. And and just love that. It's just really cool. It's like Watchmen, X-Men merged together. And then you, you even have some of that teenage, good old teenage mutant ninja turtle humor with the with the baby and the kids. I I <laughs> gotta say something. I loved the scene where Dash is doing his homework with he's sitting with his dad. Yeah. Because I was homeschooled. My dad oh, okay. gotcha. my dad my dad was my math teacher. He would teach me before he had to go to work. So I had to get up at four in the morning. Oh goodness. And, and, and you can tell it's four in the morning there, obviously for, for whatever reason, I don't know why, but Dash is saying, Hey dad, you're not supposed to do it like this. They want us to do it this way. I said that to my dad once and my dad flew off the handle just oh, like no. Bob does. My dad said, why would they do this with math? This is not math. This is not math. And he's pointing and he's jamming his finger down into the desk saying no no this is not math this is not math and that's what bob does in the movie and i oh my was laughing goodness. until i was crying when i saw that in the trailer and i looked at he said dad i found i found your clone <laughs> I, I found your spirit i found your character spirit animal right and, and okay i know i know i just love this movie so much rachel but i i really i wanted to ask if there's mm-hmm. one there's one thing i do want to mention okay this is Maybe an Easter egg. We've been talking about tie-ins, coincidences, things that you've noticed with the Incredibles that have appeared, like you've seen Portal, like Jessica Jones, uh, X-Men, Watchmen, all these unintentional but cool Easter eggs, like Tony Stark. There is something I did notice. Okay. And, um, have you ever seen the movie Poltergeist? No, unfortunately, I have not. I do know okay. of its reputation. Let me see if I can talk about this without giving away. Do you know the story of Poltergeist? A general idea of it, yes. Okay, so you it wouldn't be many spoilers if I mentioned this. Thing. Let yeah. me know if there are spoilers. That's okay. Let me know if there are we're any the spoilers. Spoil- we're, in the, we're in the spoiler section. Okay, this is Poltergeist. All right, okay. I'll get into it. I'll get into it. Um, okay, there are details in The Incredibles that are... I am not kidding, almost 100% identical to details in Poltergeist so much that these movies could exist in the same universe. Now, oh, sounds, my Lord. It sounds weird, but it's, it, it, this is how it goes. In Poltergeist, there's a family of five people, of two parents and three kids of different mm-hmm. ages living in the suburbs. The dad is frustrated with his job. The mom is a homemaker. Mm-hmm. The daughter is a whiny teenager. The son is an overactive middle school student Mm -hmm. then you have a young toddler just a little older than a baby about three or four year old child Mm -hmm. with freaky powers ah now what's really interesting in um the movie let me see where can i start with the details here the daughter in poltergeist is a wallflower Mm -hmm. who has 
black hair, blue eyes, wears okay. a striped shirt and capris and a headband, just like Violet. The little boy, hyperactive, crazy hair, likes to climb trees, crazy very overactive. Then you have the little girl, or if you're talking about Jack-Jack, a really weird child, has weird telepathic powers, can open up dimensions to the spirit world. Okay. There's a scene uh-huh. in Incredibles 2 where the fa- okay, the poltergeist opens where Craig T. Nelson, Mr. Incredible, mm-hmm. is asleep in a chair staring at a TV with, the, with something playing. The child, the little girl, comes down and starts talking to the TV. There's a scene, of course, we just talked about it in Incredibles, Bob sitting in front of the TV with Jack-Jack. That's where we get the revelation of his, you know, the official revelation of his powers. Yes. That that raccoon fight. Okay. Oh, my Lord. What happens in Poltergeist, and what's also very strange, I noticed this, um, they all live in... their house gets blown up in the same way in Poltergeist that it does in The Incredibles. And in Incredibles 2, we have this alternate dimension that the kids alternately go into that looks really creepy, just like Poltergeist 2. So oh, again, Lord. Again, and, well, the obvious one, Mr. Incredibles in both movies. <laughs> I know it sounds very strange, but I had been mulling over this for a while because there were things happening in The Incredibles that seemed all too familiar. Then I had watched Poltergeist again and realized, oh my gosh, could it be that they had the same ideas because Brad Bird's a fan of Spielberg? I wonder. I, th- I think I would want to hear some some direct <laughs> uh, commentary on that. But hey, I mean, it is a really, really nice thing to catch that you know, that, that is a lot of similarities that I don't think is it's hard to say whether it's a coincidence or not but it's I don't know there seem it seems too numerous to be a hundred percent like there is something being in some inspiration at least something else I also forgot um we have Frozone in the Incredibles he's the cool African-American superhero really cool smooth talking yeah in Poltergeist one of the guys who helps out uh Craig T. Nelson's family is a smooth talking african-american man with a goatee just like frozone really cool smart aleck knows how to handle all the paranormal equipment oh and my then goodness the woman who ends up helping them is well well how do i put this lightly in poltergeist she is a very short person <laughs> okay a dwarf basically huh. very short speaks in a with a very strange accent has glasses huh okay this then is yeah you go to Edna Mode, helps them out. Short woman, very strange accent, wears glasses. Yeah, I okay. I, I, I don't know. Even if it's not true, this is really off topic. I just thought there are so many details in both movies. But the fact that they have opened up possibilities by build, the point is when you have a movie that can that can share so much awesome stuff with other worlds that have been established, you know you have so many opportunities for growth in this kind of a world it's a mixing pot it really is it's it's and that's one of the reasons i love incredibles so much that's why you love it so much and it is really cool to see or have at least take the idea regardless of whether or not how true this you know (laughs) i know that's not true with poltergeist that's okay okay. but no i will say you know when you really when you're thinking about it it's like hmm that does seem like it's it's hard to say where certain inspirations for these characters this world has come from but there's absolutely as we've talked about like you've been saying this entire time it could it's come from anywhere these are things that you know 
the director and his staff have experienced and draw draw from different experiences to put into this world. And they're all these really, the, in terms of how they approach and have brought them to life has what made, has what, in my opinion, has made this particular franchise or these particular series of films really sing, really uh, capture the hearts of a lot of, you know, both adults and kids alike. And that's why in my mind, I think I would, again, even with a sequel, I'm not, I don't feel like after watching this film, I, I'm entirely done with The Incredibles. Like, I don't think we're there, we've exhausted possibilities yeah. at all, even for another movie, or if, as you were mentioning, maybe a possibility of a cartoon show would be really cool. The worst part about this movie is it wasn't long enough. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I, I will, I will test to this, because I remember I got out of the theater after the film had ended and was really just kind of like, still letting the movie settle. You have to and take a breath. Like, well, yeah, definitely. It took several. Um, it took several. <laughs> but um, I, then I looked at my clock. I originally went into the, uh, I think it was a 3.30 showing. It was almost six by the time I got out. And I'm like, I kind of had to do a double take. Like, Wait, what? It's a long movie. It <laughs> was. And I had no idea. I had, did not realize the entire time I was in there it was that long. But hey, it was a wild ride. So something lose track I- of time. <laughs> Something I just thought of, and it's, it's really interesting. I didn't think of it until this moment. Mm-hmm. There are nods to Batman the Animated Series in this movie. I'm sure there are. And I think the train scene was specifically some, like something that did take place in Batman the Animated Series. You have characters' costumes that are reminiscent of other characters from the DC Animated Universe. You even get hints of Suicide Squad when you see the new superheroes, especially with how strange they are. Mm. You, you get the same kind of feel as Suicide Squad. I mean, in a way, you have two awkward characters. You've got Harley Quinn on the villain side, and yeah. then you have Void, who's awkward on the other side. Yeah, yeah. Um, but and, still, it's like, you, you, have to, you have to remember, like, that there's, you know, when you're creating a world that's supposed to be modeled after superheroes, like, this supposed to be, like, a amalgamation of, like, all of these different elements. We're gonna, you're bound to get some visual similarities, and it doesn't matter, you know, they're gonna come from everywhere. One thing I did like, there's two more details I did notice. The first one's very small, and that one I just noticed. The, whoever he is, the voice actor who played the, um, the, the superhero with the subsonic, the supersonic scream, mm-hmm. the scream, scream powers, a screech, his voice reminded me of, oh, what's his name? Paul Williams, who, who did the voice for the Penguin in Batman, the animated series. Oh, that's interesting. When I was watching the character, I, a lot of the same mannerisms that the Penguin used in the original Batman the animated series, especially the way he carried himself in the movie with mm-hmm. the way he would hold his hands. I thought that's really cool that they're doing that because that's how the Penguin posed in the original Batman, the animated series. Mm-hmm. What's also cool is when we go back to Watchmen, that scene where Elastigirl's on TV being interviewed. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. Yeah. Reminds me of when they're interviewing Dr. Manhattan in Watchmen. Okay. Gotcha. There's so many great things, but the best part is what you said. Even though we could say, yeah, that's like this, that's like that. Yeah. Okay. He has a voice like this person. There's an interview here. There's, there's things where they go through dimensions like Nightcrawler. There's things here. He, the little baby looks like Hellboy for some weird reason. There's <laughs> all sorts of things. That doesn't matter though, because it's still unique. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's a, a fresh take that's basically honoring everything that yeah. has come before in superhero lore and, and mythos. And exactly. Combining it in a way that, but 
still has that core. As we talked about, one of the things that we are we love so much about the Incredibles is the fact, you know, other than the, the you know the the flair, the superhero flair, is the the heart and the core of the story always comes back to the family and the family dynamic. And I love in and we've said this before and we've read it already is the fact that the, this the sequel while is no less is much less Bob's story than it is Helen's story as she takes center stage. We get to see both of those characters fleshed out, their dynamic together, and their love and support of each other, despite having to really switch places in this film. Yes, and I just thought of some things since you brought that up, Rachel. Um, There's another very heartfelt moment in this movie. When we were talking, you were just mentioning Helen and Bob's relationship is explored more, and you get to see they're not only husband and wife here, they're they're not just lovers, they're best friends. Mm -hmm. They're best friends, and that's what makes a marriage work. And there's a part where when when Helen's gone, I love it. It's when uh, Bob's asleep. He -hmm. wakes up in the middle of the night, and he it's very small. He, he takes his hand and he kind of brushes it over to where she usually sleeps. She's oh, not there. Oh, oh, I did. You know what? That was something else I didn't pick up on. I gotta watch this movie again. Uh, but yeah, it's, oh, it's, it's so wonderful. And it always, that, that's, those are the moments I think in this particular series of movies yeah. that grabs people. And I think it what makes it worth watching and coming back watching again, other than the, the extras, you know, nods to superhero lore. Mm-hmm. But it's 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 amazing that 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 core holds everything together, and to the point where it's it's such because a yeah, at the root of the Incredibles, to me, the main characters their their kids are in there, but the main characters to me have always been Helen and Bob. I mean, they're the main, the heart of the movie. They're the parents, but they're the ones who are introduced first. They're mm-hmm. the first two characters. They're the main characters. I mean, they they really are. And it was cemented in that one shot for me when he is asleep, wakes up, can't sleep. He reaches over. She's not there, and he gets a pure look of loneliness on his face. He gets up, can't sleep, goes downstairs, and I I absolutely thought that was amazing. Yeah, good acting, good good character acting. Yeah, how come cartoon characters? How come cartoon characters can convey that kind of romance better than real people can do in most romantic comedies? Well, it's animation. You know, the big thing is every every moment. Movement, action, and animation is always intentional. So whenever you put something in there, it's for a purpose. Whereas some say a live action actor could do it out of, you know. You even have a nod besides that love for a spouse for for between a husband and wife. You also have the love. I thought it was pretty cool. You, well, the kids, of course. I thought, I love how they even put in the whole love between the the little baby and his his mother. Because I love how the baby is the reason his mom got free from hypnosis. Yep, yep. Baby's just like I want my baby, mama. The baby is so scared to death. I mean, who wouldn't be after you just saw Al Man do the Linda Blair thing in The Exorcist? <laughs> <laughs> I mean. I mean, that, 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 I'm sorry. That freaked me out when his head turned upside down and around the body followed. I'm like, that's some exorcist stuff there. That's scary. <laughs> but that the is baby, a unique superpower right there. Yeah. Just one heck of a neck brace after that. Oh my goodness. But, but anyway, but Jack Jack walks into the room and his mom is just standing there with her goggles on and he goes, mama, mama. And he's just so happy to see her. And she's evil right now because she has the goggles on. I am scared for that baby. And then the baby, even though the baby is, but then I wanted to cry because the baby just reaches his arms out and he floats up to her. 
like out of a weird dream sequence and he and she picks him up and holds him and she's just staring at him and he telekinetically crushes her goggles and she yeah, you can tell the goggles are bad i think and I she that. hugs him she holds him and hugs him like she's going to lose him in a few seconds Aww. i just love little tiny little moments like that oh this movie's so good yeah so i think if you hadn't if you obviously if you stuck around with us at this point you've already seen it so Yes. I guess a really good way to close things out here, since I think we've, I know we could probably go on, on and on and on about this movie, but if you, obviously, if you haven't seen it yet, if you're, you've already seen it at this point, go watch it again if you can. Support this movie. Support it when it comes out on DVD. Absolutely. It is a joy. Hell, go watch the first Incredibles again. I know I plan on, I plan on doing so. Watch it again and again, and please, if you haven't already, try, try to just spread the word that we want Incredibles 3. We want a TV series, comic books, web comics, anything, Brad, Brad Bird, anything you can give us, give it to us, because Incredibles deserves that and so much more. It's an amazing world you've created. Agreed. I wholeheartedly agree. All right. So thank you once again, guys, for joining us for this episode of the AFA podcast. This is really fun movie to talk about. I'm really glad we got to discuss it and uh, hope you have a chance to go out and see it again. If you want to keep up to date with uh, what's going on the website, uh, we've got, we're on several different forms of social media. We are on Facebook. We are on Twitter at AFA blog. We are on Instagram, Pinterest, as well as Tumblr. Um, If you want to follow us individually on the um on our, any more of our personal social medias um ali where can we find you on social media you can find me at a new username i changed it recently to match my independent art studio you can find me on facebook at ali cat or ali cat artwork that's spelled a l i so that's at ali cat on instagram you can find me at ali cat dreams the same username on twitter ali cat dreams or you can find me on the same username on deviant art very good. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at Fail2Ninja. Please, um, we've got several upcoming episodes coming down the line. We're really excited to record them and get them out to you guys. Um, if you have any ideas of what of stuff you'd like to hear us talk about, please send us an email at uh, podcast at animationforadults.com. We'd love to hear your ideas and what you'd like us to talk about. And we do have some, and we'll make sure to keep you informed about what that will be later down the line. If you want to continue to support the podcast financially, because we're always looking to see if we can expand not only just the podcast, but also the website and see what new kind of content we can cover and new forms of way of covering them. Um, you can check out our Patreon page, which we will give you uh, early access to episodes, as well as a, a virtual cup of coffee via Coffee or K-O-F-I. I still don't know the proper way of pronouncing that. Um, <laughs> it's really silly, but it's it's... <laughs> It's, it's a good way to support us if you're looking to uh, help us expand our website. And as always, I want to make sure I give a shout out to the wonderful animation screening program um, event that is Animation Nights New York and are curated by the lovely Yvonne. They are always looking for new animation submissions and um, people to help support their wonderful program. So please follow the link in the show notes for the uh, website of Animation Nights New York and find out how you can continue to support them. And if you want to submit an animated film to them for one of their screening events, that is, uh, there is a link to Film Freeway on there. So you'll be able to submit your short film on there, submit to the judges, and we'll be able to get your film seen in the screenings. And it's, I, I can speak from personal experience in Festa Fest. It's a wonderful event in New York and you should definitely check it out. All right. Well, everyone, thanks to you again for sticking around with us, and we will see you on the next episode of the AFA podcast. Take care. Mr. Incredible, incredible.
might get weird. Heavyweight problems need heavyweight solutions. Mr. Incredible's my hero. And now you can team up with Mr. Incredible. He's super strong. Yeah. You're my favorite, Mr. Incredible. Mr. Incredible. Available wherever toys are sold. And there's Mike Simmons onto the forecourt, approaches the T-Rock, but picks out the Tiguan. Looking at a seven-seater Tiguan all-space now. He spies the Tuareg, promising, but he's leaving it late. A quick exchange with the Volkswagen salesman, and yes, Mike Simmons is the proud owner of a brand-new Volkswagen Tuareg. The Volkswagen SUV event from the 1st to the 15th of July. Save £500 on top of existing offers when you test drive any SUV. Just make sure you get there before the final whistle. Offer available on the retail on the road price for Volkswagen SUVs when test driven and ordered between 1st and 15th July. Delivered by 15th August 2018. Except the new Touareg which is to be delivered by 31st October 2018. Retail customers only.